Why will the Utah Utes beat the Florida Gators in week one of the college football season? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including wherever you get your podcasts and YouTube. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. If this is your first time tuning into our show, make sure you guys like and subscribe. Loved interacting with you guys in the comments as well as on social media where you can follow our show at Lockdown Utes. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more right now with new customers because you can bet $5 in and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. On today's show, we're going to be talking about the comments that Kyle Whittingham and Cam Rising made in their media availability today and for Coach Whittingham, his weekly press conference that now gets underway. But first, I thought we'd start with something very simple. Why will Utah beat Florida? It's something we've been talking about for a while. I believe that Utah is going to beat Florida. That shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone who listens to this show. And there's a reason that Utah's favoring the game. The majority of people believe that Utah is going to beat Florida as well. So I thought we should dive into some of those reasons that myself and many of the other various media members, not just in Salt Lake, but I think when national media members do their predictions for this game, they will pick Utah. Let's dive into why some of those reasons could be. I, I think the reason for there's a lot of reasons. But obviously, if this game was being played at Florida again, with, with how it played out last year, I, I still might pick Utah just because if I look at the reasons for why last year Utah lost the game, I would look to the tackling and I would look to the plays made by Anthony Richardson more than anything else. And I just don't think Graham Mertz in his first game as a Gator is going to be able to make those same plays. Will it be more accurate? Maybe. I, pro- I should say probably based on Richardson's accuracy issues, but he's not going to make the type of big, wow, miraculous plays that Richardson did, in my opinion. But for the reason Utah will win this game to me is because they're at home and coming being at home comes with a couple things. Number one, most importantly, just how good this Utah team is at home. They haven't lost a true home game since 2018. Last season, they only allowed opponents to score 16.6 points per game at home. They haven't given up over 30 points at home since in the last four full college football seasons, except for when they played Lincoln Riley's USC team last year. That's what this Utah defense and just in general, this Utah team, we know how productive the offense has been at home too. So they have been very stout at home. They've been one of the best teams in college football. They have one of the best home field advantages in college football. And that is not just because of an outstanding crowd, which obviously will play a role into this. And I know all the Gators fans can talk all they want about how our guys are used to SEC crowds and big, big, loud stadiums and all those kind of things. That may be true. But they haven't played in one of those in over seven months, whatever the timeline exactly is for when seven, eight months. It's a long time off, and they haven't played in an environment that loud together. That continuity is something that is definitely going to matter when it gets loud, especially the offensive line. We've talked about this a few times, right? The blitz protection is so, and blitz pickup, I should say, is so contingent on the communication up front, knowing who's got what. And when it gets really loud and things are getting really crazy in the first week of the season, and when you're tired, because they're going to be tired in the altitude, that's another advantage we're going to get into for a second for Utah football. That's the kind of stuff that breaks down. And it's nice when you have a loud, ruckus crowd like Utah to 
give you that. And uh, the other thing, obviously, that's going to play in Utah's favor this coming season outside of just how good they've been at home is one of the reasons they've been really good at home, right? The altitude effect that it's had on opponents. We've seen this before where teams will sometimes start out really well against Utah. I remember last year, Arizona, I think Stanford, both had decent starts against Utah. Even USC started really well, right? And yes, credit Utah to making adjustments, but it genuinely is hard to play up in the altitude. I think those teams do get tired as well. And over time, I do believe Utah was better than those three teams I just listed last year, considering they were 4-0 against them. But it definitely helped playing them at home, where the home field advantage, the altitude, it's no joke. I, I'm also I'm very surprised at Florida's travel plan. I remember Utah, in order to try to beat the heat last year, or just not beat it, but get used to the humidity effect that, Gainesville had on this team they got out there I want to say it was like Monday or Tuesday of last year in preparation for Saturday's game so they spent a lot of days down there practicing and it obviously still had an effect on them with the amount of missed tackles and just an uncharacteristic performance we saw from this Utah defense last year in general so the altitude at the humidity excuse me the humidity had effect on Utah last year and I think the altitude is definitely going to have an effect on Florida it just takes getting used to when you're up here you get tired quicker I've talked about this before. I remember my very first time just working out in Salt Lake when I moved out here and I just noticed how different it was. And obviously these world-class athletes are in a lot better shape than me, but we've seen, everyone talks about it, the altitude effect. It's something that's been brought up. I heard it just brought up today talking about how one of the things that helped the Denver Nuggets win an NBA championship was playing in the altitude, that home field advantage you get, home court advantage you get for Utah's home field, the NBA, of course, home court because of just you get more tired playing in the altitude. So I definitely think it's going to play a role. I think, and this is a Florida team. Kyle Winningham even said in the press conference today, they haven't played a non-conference road game. I think not, I don't remember if it was just non-conference road game or non-conference, like power five road game really almost ever. And obviously they, this is a group of players who have almost, I'm trying to think of any off the top of my head. I don't know if any of these guys have ever played a game in Utah or a place like Denver or something like that, where the mountains and the elevation are, are going to have an extreme impact on them. So that's another thing I think that will give a big advantage to Utah. Utah has been training and they're used to and in great shape to play in this altitude. The Utah roster is better conditioned to play in Utah than the Florida roster is. Just like last year's Florida roster was in better condition to play down in Gainesville. But this game is in Salt Lake City and that will favor Utah's athletes over the Gators in that regard. Um, also, Utah has shown the ability to win with Pretty much any of their quarterbacks. I should say Nate Johnson is the one exception. We haven't, they haven't shown the ability to win with this, but we know they can win with Cam Rising. We know Utah can win with Bryson Barnes. They did it on the road last year against Washington State. We have not seen Bryson, excuse me, we have not seen Graham Mertz with this Florida team. Could it start out great? Sure. He could have an amazing game. I mean, he peaked in his first ever college football game, if I'm in my opinion, when he, Wisconsin played Nebraska and he threw like three touchdowns. But this is a very different Utah team than that Nebraska team he shined against uh, his first season overall. So I just I know what this Utah team is in general. Yes, if Nate trots out there, and we're going to see versions of the Nate Johnson package in general, but I know what this Utah team is with Bryson Barnes. I've seen Utah succeed with Bryson Barnes. I've seen Utah obviously achieve great success with Cam Rising. I don't know what Graham Mertz is going to look like in this Florida offense. It could be really good, but I have a hard time believing. Well, we just know for a fact they're not going to be at the best of themselves in this first game on the road in this tough environment. First time playing together, all, all those kind of things, chemistry and game, all that stuff matters over the course of the season. It's something you grow and get more comfortable with your receivers and the setting. And Graham Mertz isn't going to have that in this first game. So it's another thing I really like. And just in general, how about, because speaking of, I mentioned those quarterbacks, right? Utah, Cam. Bryson, even Nate Johnson has been in the Utah system longer than Graham Mertz has been in the Florida system. Yes, Graham has been a starter for longer, but just who's been with one team for longer, Nate Johnson has. Utah has more continuity just in general. Look on both sides of the ball. Utah returns 11 key contributors. Not all those guys were starters last year, but key contributors on both sides of the ball. 
you look at the guys they lost last year, right? Who they replaced Dalton Kincaid with. They're going to replace him with Brant Keithy, a guy who you're really excited about because what he achieved in the past with this Utah football team. Um, uh, You lose a guy like Clark Phillips. Well, you get Miles Battle in an SEC transfer who's played at a high level, and you don't need him to be the Clark Phillips replacement. He's just a corner with starting experience, right? And Florida has guys like that too, but they have they have a lot more of those than than Utah does. Because another one we could look to for this Utah roster is Leavani Demuni coming in, who's played the inside linebacker position at a really high level in the Pac-12, just amongst Power Five football in general. So there's so much continuity. Everyone in the front seven is pretty much back. Three starters on the offensive line that have played together last year too. The communication's big. And I think the final thing for why Utah will beat Florida to me is just like the main points. We will break up matchup specific stuff on tomorrow's show is the extra motivation factor. When you think about cam rising, throwing that interception on the final play, I know how determined he and much he wants to get back in this. I think about that Utah defense that missed 29 tackles last year, which is one of the most we've ever seen from this Utah defense. And they're going to be ready to go. They're going to be fired up and ready to have an opportunity on national TV, on ESPN, the whole world watching. This is the best game on Thursday. No disrespect, Matt Rule's debut at Minnesota, which still has some fun intrigue for a college football game, but ain't no Utah against Florida. It's not a top 15 taken on a a SEC team that has a lot of fun pieces to it that could be decent down the road. I'm just not sure how everything will click in the very first game overall on the road in an unfamiliar environment like that. So Utah, I just think has that extra motivation because they lost last year's game. So all those reasons. And as I mentioned, we'll get into a lot more matchup specific stuff is why I believe Utah is going to end up being victorious against the Florida Gators. We're going to talk about coach Winningham and what he stated at his first of many weekly press conferences he's going to be having on Monday morning. But first want to talk to you guys about our friend at our friends at, excuse me, better help. This show is sponsored by better help. And with better help, guys, it's a great path because sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with a decision around your career, relationship, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make the decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice, the easier it gets. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can even switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnCollege today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnCollege. Also, I want to talk to you guys about a great thing we have going on here at the Locked On Podcast Network because the college football season is here, and this season, Locked On is kicking up our coverage. Each Friday, Locked On will go live from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On College channel. So for us at Mountain Time, that'll be from 9 a.m. to I'm, – I'm so good at math, guys. You, I appreciate all of you sticking with me while I think it's out. 9 p.m. going on until 11 a.m. 9 a.m. going to 11 a.m. Um, every Locked On College YouTube channel. They'll be going live. So Locked On College Football Live will cover the college football playoff implications, the conference rivalry game, and go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable Locked On College hosts covering their teams every day. Find Locked On College Football Live every Friday from 11 to 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Mountain Time on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. 
for those of you who uh, listen to the show and go like, oh, I wonder what position in high school football JT played it. I think you can tell by my ability to process numbers right there. I think on the fly that probably wasn't quarterback. Yeah, I was I was an offensive lineman, guys. I like to kind of have the game plan and know exactly what I'm be doing. And yeah, there's certain checks involved, but I, I liked when it was kind of more straightforward and laid out in front of me. And uh, yeah, numbers were never my strong suit overall. But now let's move on and talk about uh, Kyle Whittingham and uh, what he had to say at his first of many coaches press conferences. I thought the first thing that was interesting was uh, he was asked about the depth chart and he said it was hard to get it's hard to get a depth chart out with so many questionable guys. So they did the best they could, but still a lot of his influx which is what we talked about last week about how much this depth chart changed from, or excuse me, how much last year's depth chart changed to what we actually saw play out on the field. And it makes sense because the injuries and just other things in general, I don't even remember all the reasons that Utah ended up switching up the offensive line. I think they said they had that in place for actually a while (laughs) post the depth chart, what they did, but uh, either way, let's talk about some of those positions though, that coach Whittingham did bring up that I believe the ones that he's talking about are still in flux. Number one by a country mile, of course, is quarterback. Quarterback seems to still be in flux. We'll talk about this a little more in a second. I think Utah, I, if I had to bet money one way or another, I just I feel like Kyle Whittingham knows who his starting quarterback's going to be. Maybe he genuinely doesn't, but it just seems like this close to the game, you have a pretty good idea. Maybe Cam really isn't clear, and like there's still way, and may, like maybe Cam is, I should say, not still clear. Maybe it's like either they really don't know. I think I think at this point it's probably one way or another. They probably know if Cam's going to play, and they probably know if Cam's not going to play. That's just my opinion based on just all the comments and everything we've seen in general, but who knows? So QB is obviously the number one in flux. Will it be Cam, Bryson Barnes, or Nate Johnson? We don't know. Maybe they know, maybe they don't, but at least on the outside, it it seems like it's still in some flux, although I do feel like they know if Cam's going to play, and I, I want, I feel like they probably have made a decision on Bryson and Nate, but just looking at the situation, you have to go, oh, quarterback is probably the one in flux, even though, like I said, I feel like they know who it's going to be. Second one is offensive line. Uh, I couldn't think of anything crazy to say here, but I will say this. Like, I just, I will be shocked if the offensive line that's listed on the depth chart is the one that trots out on the field, because that's exactly what happened last year. We thought it was going to be Jaron Cumpet right tackle, and we thought we were going to see Tao Laumea at guard, and they switched it up on us when the first team offense jogged out there. I think they're going to do the same thing again in some variation. I don't know if that's because of the injuries or what the reason is. I would just be very surprised if it was Spencer Fano at left tackle if it was Keaton Bills at left guard, I, well, Keaton Bills is going to be the left guard. Um, Johnny Maia is supposed to be at center, but we don't know. It could easily be Fanu. Um, I apologize for mispronounced his name. And right guard probably will be Mokafisi, but he was up and down last year. So that's one I could see changing as well. And yes, Atal is going to be one of the tackles for this team. I expect him to be the right tackle. And look, maybe there's a chance they move him back into guard because how good he was in that position. And while I thought he was still really good in run blocking last year, I did think as a t- pass blocking tackle his play wasn't as strong as he was as a plus blocking guard on the interior so i think offensive line is another one that uh, could definitely shift third obviously tight end we uh once again coach whittingham was asked about cam and kyle whittingham being cleared and he said he wouldn't elaborate on the depth chart i, I thought it was a fair question that was asked to him though because those guys's health specifically isn't technically related to the depth chart it just like it's whether or not because we know cam and brant are one we don't know like there's no question of whether they're two on the depth chart their availability was in question. I thought it was a fair question, but I understand, I, I understand why Coach Witt didn't answer it. If I was Coach Witt, I probably wouldn't answer it either because uh, he seems to want to maintain that mystique around their injuries and just potential availability for Thursday's night's contest. But tight ends obviously want to flux because if Brant can't go, that does change things a little bit. Mickey, I expect to see Mickey Sugaturaga a lot as this team's blocking tight end. Thomas Yasmin will obviously be the tight end if Brant can't go, but will it be Landon King? My 
guess is probably for that number two spot, just with some of the reports we've heard about him looking decent in camp. I think that he'd be the next guy up, but would it be someone else who's been here a little bit longer? Something interesting to watch and see. Uh, another thing that I think is in flux is the defensive line. This is one where the defensive line starting could absolutely be Connor O'Toole, Tanu Vasa, Tafuna, and then Van Fillinger. But even if they start, so let's say they're in for the very first snap. Does that mean this is going to be the clear-cut four best defensive linemen? Are they going to play the most snaps? That's where it's like, I understand they're the starters, but I still think we'll see a lot of Aliki by Mahi, even though he wasn't in the top four of the defensive tackle depth chart. I still think we could definitely see a lot of Logan Fano. I think he could be this team's best pass rusher. And Jonah Ellis is another guy who could be this team's best pass rusher too. So we also heard a lot about Chase Kennedy. Is he going to factor into the role? So I, I think we're going to see a lot of change in rotations as a defensive line as we always do overall. And I'm just, I'm curious if the four they listed is their best four. It very well could be, but that usually changes even by the time the first game comes in because you just don't, with a lot of these guys, you think you know what you have, but then once the game experience starts, things can change, and sometimes you go back to the guys who were better for you last year. That could happen, or these guys could genuinely be the best. Something interesting to monitor and find out. And the last one I'll go with is defensive backs. I know Teo Johnson and Smith Snow were listed as the nickel backs, and nickel is different than outside corner, but I still think we'll see. I just expect to see JT Broughton, Miles Battle, and Zamaya Vaughn on the field together. I- Decent amount in the first game. I could be totally off on that, but I like my experienced corners playing together like that. Teo just switched the position. I'm curious about how that will go in his first full game. Smith Snow in his first game at the collegiate level. Clark turned into a great player for Utah, but it did take time after his his first season. He was still good in his first year, but just in general. So I I think we'll see some changes to the defensive backfield. And who knows how much Nate Ritchie will play. I do think Vaki and Bishop will roll into it. But once again, I just didn't understand Vaki being listed as the the strong safety, not the free safety. Baki is good, like around the line of scrimmage. He made some great tackles last year, but I just feel like Bishop, that's where he's at his very best. He's good at the back end, but like I just, Bishop is a special player in the front seven to me, and he's still good defending the pass, but that's where he's really unlocked versus I think Vaki can be a good player down there, but I think I'd rather have Bishop in the box based on what we've seen and Vaki on the back end. That's a personal preference, but once again, a DB is another one that I think we could see change a little bit. Um, we do have a few more other positional questions, uh, or excuse me, not positional, but just other questions that Kyle Whittingham mentioned. Of course, we got to get to some Cam Rising health updates as well. But uh, well, I do want to take a second to talk to you guys about our great friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and can be on everything from the, you can bet on everything from the spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you want want to miss FanDuel, an official partner of the nfl make sure you guys head over and uh, if you like utah's odds bet them the line has been shifting a little bit i think it was back up to seven the last time i looked at it but it's been bouncing all over the place if you guys are feeling good about utah go in and have the potential to make some money off FanDuel. i like i like the numbers for utah i'll say that i think even if i know the quarterback position puts that in flux a little bit but i like us right that's what uh, a popular saying a lot of people have said uh shout out coach bird at olympus high school who uh, said that one to me recently, but I know a lot of people have used that as well in general. All right, let's finish this one out by uh, rattling off of some of the other questions or just notable things I found interesting in Coach Winningham's media availability and Cam Rising's as well. As we said, the starters we have, or excuse me, stars Cam and Kyle Winningham 
Cam wouldn't elaborate on Kyle Whittingham wouldn't elaborate as I'm going to get my facts straight here for a second. Kyle Whittingham wouldn't elaborate on if Cam or Branch would be cleared, said he was going to wait on that. Said he doesn't know who the starting quarterback will be. As I mentioned, I just feel like that's semi-true. I think they, if maybe the question is if Cam can, Cam or can't, Cam can or can't go. I think they know. And I think if he can't go, then I do think as well that Utah also knows that who's going to be kind of that next guy up. I think they know whether it's Bryson or Nate. Maybe they genuinely don't. Just something interesting overall. Um, another thing was Coach Whittingham talked about was the defense playing with a lot more confidence. That makes than last year, he feels like that, which makes a lot of sense. And they said they've been working on a lot of tackles. We already mentioned the 29 they missed up against Florida last year, which I, I, it's not going to be 25. I think the Utah team in the first game will miss somewhere between five and 12 tackles just because I do think Florida's good running backs. I uh, could see receivers just breaking some tackles. You're always going to miss a couple each game, but this team is much better at home when it comes to tackling and they're motivated after last year's game again. So I don't see how there's going to be 29 missed tackles, especially because that's not Graham Mertz's specialty. And we know it was Anthony Richardson's overall. So as I mentioned, I just feel like this Utah defense is in a much better position. And because of all those returners, true, only two replacements in the front seven overall defensive back wise, you're only replacing two guys as well. So feeling really good about the position and maybe even a little more than that. If we see like Tao Johnson and Smith Snowden, but this defense has more experience than it did a year ago. And I'm feeling really strong about its first impression that we're going to see of it against the Florida Gators. All right. Last thing before we get out of here, uh, talking about some of the player quotes, the biggest one that just stood out was Cam rising. What he said, right? He said he feels good and will be a game time, uh, game time decision. But even though it'll be a game time decision, like they won't know until, maybe seven to 10 minutes or whatever it was that was stated that they'll make the decision. It's, it's gotta be earlier than that. It just can't come down to that late. In my opinion, that would just be, it'd be very interesting, but we'll, uh, we'll see. I get it. If in terms of cam's health, that they're planning on starting Cal cam, if he's going to give it a go and then they make the determination. Then I understand it, but we'll see. Um, but just in general, I still think Cam's going to play in this game. I've said that before. We've seen the videos of him throwing and making progress. That is not me. I'm not trying to give my medical diagnosis or anything like that. I just feel like what we've seen from Cam in the brief videos and stuff, and I just feel like his recovery, he always said he'd be ready to go for the game. And it just the mystique that I've used it that word twice now in this podcast, but uh, just how secretive they've been about this whole thing. I just still feel like Cam Rice is going to trot out there. I feel like he's in good enough condition and by good enough i mean somewhere between that 80 to 95 percent range i think that he's going to go out there i think he's going to execute and i think he's going to play well i think it's going to be cam but it's going to come down and it's going to be very interesting to see if it is cam or not or if they do go with bryson or nate as i mentioned either way i still feel like utah is more than capable of winning this game so it's going to be something that's really interesting to monitor and watch as it goes on but um once again, I like Utah's chances, and uh, I'm very curious to see with Cam Rising. He's always very careful with his words and everything, but he's been wanting to play in this one. I know motivation-wise how the last one ended. You know he's going to be hungry to get out there and get a victory as well. Not just motivation from how the game ended where he threw the interception, but i got to believe motivation and being left off the all-Pac-12 teams. Everyone's talking about the other quarterbacks in the Pac-12. I've done it on this show even. I know if I was Cam Rising and I've accomplished what I have accomplished as a Pac-12 quarterback, I would feel slighted that I haven't been mentioned more by the national media and just been recognized more. And it doesn't take much to motivate these guys. And uh, I, I know they do track. Look, there's always all these things are said, like this bulletin board material, that bulletin board material, who knows what they do or don't look at. They see some of it. They're motivated. They want to go out there, not just because of what happened last year, but I'm sure they're eager to prove people wrong that didn't have them in positions. I've got to imagine Jaquindon Jackson wants to prove everyone wrong who didn't have him as a even a votable option for the All-Pac-12 team, right? So. As I mentioned before, that's something I think will look bad come uh, come the end of the year overall, but uh, be something to keep an eye on for sure. And uh, 
it's just going to be interesting to see how the season plays out for Utah football. And it starts with the season opener, which we are less than 48 hours away from. It's going to be great getting Utah football underway. And we're not done breaking down the matchup because on tomorrow's show, I'm going to be talking about the offensive and defensive matchups. So the matchups on both sides of the ball for Utah that I like for this team. We are going to be discussing that on tomorrow's Locked On Utes. We'll see you then.